Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Open World. In this episode, we have a very special guest with us. We have Nadine Martin from PlayStation. And as always, my lovely co-hosts, Lara and Meli. Welcome, everyone. Hi, hi. Hello, everyone. So a little bit about our guest today. Nadine Martin has been a senior manager for test services at PlayStation Studios, and she has managed localization testing and functional testing functions. The teams that she handles are responsible for providing testing support to PlayStation Studios, including games such as Rismo, The Last of Us, Uncharted, Horizon, and God of War. That's amazing. <laughs> so Nadine has been working in the gaming industry and quality assurance for over 20 years, while also being an active uh, in game software development and localization community as advisory board member. I can go on and on, Nadine, but can you, can we start the interview by you doing some sort of professional journey walkthrough for everyone that's watching the episode? Of course, no problem. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, so my, my journey, like I said, over 20 years in the industry. So I started as a, uh, after studying business, after university, I was looking, you know, for temporary jobs. And I started as a humble uh, German localization tester uh, in the UK shortly after the PS2 launch in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, I came from a non-gaming, non-technical background. I studied business. You know, I, I didn't study the game related um topic and um yeah really i found what i thought was a temporary job uh really suited my sort of um interest in you know, high quality and you know being that sort of eye for detail an eye for detail and the industry suited me because it was very young it was growing there was always something new happening always uh a new challenge um so i um progressed in my career and fairly quickly because there were lots of opportunities the team was growing um, so I had various roles um, I guess some of them uh, sort of test lead role uh, supervisor uh, manager and so on and um, I think along that, that that journey one of the things that um, I really enjoyed in the industry and maybe it's more of a UK centric thing that um, it wasn't really about uh, the qualifications you had or the the you know what you studied at university it was really about um, how well you communicated how well you collaborated with other people um, how um, you know you got results done in, in an effective way and and that really helped me in my career and ultimately I moved from um, I guess more um, localization centric roles into uh, more managerial roles and um, eventually I became senior manager and uh, that was for localization and functional testing and these days it's it only covers functional testing. That's amazing. I mean, PlayStation 2 is dear to my whole heart. I have a tattoo of the joystick because <laughs> I grew up with a PlayStation 2. Best so console ever. Yeah. I love it that we keep hearing this about like professional journeys, how they start somewhere sometimes like not conventional or like where people think, you know, it's the typical path. And we've been hearing it in different episodes. So I, I think it's a great message for everyone listening. Yeah. Like, you know, everything you're doing, it will be part of 
you know, all you learn, like all the experiences, you learn something from it, and I, you know, it can form you to be the professional, a, a professional you want to be in the field that you want, even if it's not the, the typical or conventional path. Yeah. And the importance in soft skills too, right? That that's yeah. a constant lately that we've been hearing from our guests. You know, be a good person, be a dedicated professional. Then also your technical knowledge and everything, right? But that's lovely to hear, Nini. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering, how have things changed since when you started to do localization to nowadays? Like, because you've been through like a lot from PlayStation 2 and nowadays with PS5, like, oh my God. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge, huge change in looking back. And I haven't done that for a long time, actually. So thank you for asking that. Um, yeah, I mean, when, when I started, um, it was uh, at Sony, it was uh, French, uh, Italian, German, Spanish only, those are languages. Um, now it's probably about 20 languages as standard. Um, and at the time, it was very sort of um, sequential, right? So you had the Japanese game that got uh, localized and then released in another region or the English uh, game or the American game that most released in one region and then translated and released in another region. And it, that made the testing that I was part of very sequential. Um, there was a lot of time. I remember, for example, testing GT3, I think. And I think we had three weeks, something like three weeks to actually test the game uh, on one build, not like the whole game in three weeks and then you're done. It was like one build. One build. <laughs> oh my God. All the box. So it was a lot of time, obviously in hindsight as a manager, very inefficient, right? But um, it was just very different because there wasn't that rush uh, for simultaneous release. Um, so things obviously changed, a much more globalized world we live in now, more languages, uh, all the consumers want the content at the same time. Um, so over time, obviously, um, localization testing time got squeezed. Um, so things had to change in terms of how can we do testing smarter, right? My skills were not in actually games testing, they were in linguist on the linguistic side. So at Sony, we focused over time on how to use uh, our linguistic skills in a more smarter way, using more tools, using automation, um, you know, tools, even like project management tools or asset localization asset management tools, so that you can track what you've seen. Previously, it was all in Excel, <laughs> right? Um, that, that, that doesn't work well when you're a global team or you're working with external partners. Uh, you know, so a lot of the, the pipeline of localization and localization testing changed over time. Uh, just to make things smarter and the turnaround times have to be a lot faster um, and that's where we are now really um, so it's um, I think the more recent changes that I've seen when I was still involved with things there's much more emphasis on localization being involved much much earlier in the game so it's not only um, uh, not just slotted at the end but a lot of the project planning or the project management happens at the early stages so that um, there's more support and advice to the studios and the developers um, to make things faster and easier at the later stages um, and to work more in a partnership, I guess. So, you know, previously it was very, the sequential model really supported a us and them kind of uh, relationship in the industry, I guess. And now it's much more, we need each other, <laughs> you know, we're experts, let us help you. Um, 
and yet it happens much more early the discussions at the project planning and um, um, tool planning stage. And sorry, uh, I love that you said work smarter, right? In that process over the years of working smarter, yeah. um, are there any, we don't want to break any NDAs, of course, but are there any good practices that you can recommend for uh, a localization team or a testing team that you know that they work? Oh. Um, well, they are, we, we have presented publicly quite a lot about the proprietary tools we developed to help ourselves. So we have a, an asset management tool for the text and audio and video uh, aspects of things. And that links into, um, also we've, we've talked about uh, like automation tools that um, helps, um, what's the word? Sort of artificial intelligence in terms of um, have a character run through the game, uh, an AI character can run through the game and trigger messages. So as a tester, you don't have to do that. You can just, you know, fast forward through the footage and, you know, do it in that way. And and, and that's like um, the ultimate, like like the ultimate cheat code. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's things like that. Using AI so for multiplayer games so that you have a bot, you know, that uh, populates the number of multiplayers you need so to trigger me messages and so on. So you don't need to rely on a lot of people power. Um, so it's I think there is a lot of uh, I would recommend working really more closely with your uh, engineering or development partners. Um, so we invested in, in um, creating a QA centric engineering team that creates these automation tools from a publish a QA platform, I guess, um, because the developers will focus on what they need and that's their focus, right? So we really worked on that. And it was important for us in, in terms of how our team is structured to have localization and functional as part of that umbrella team. Sometimes I think in some organization, they're separate and they're separate for good reason because it works for them. But I think in this case, it really helps that we are all part of the same team, all very aware of those tools and we make sure those tools uh, fit functional test need and localization test needs and other you know, business needs as well. Uh, localization, we work with our localization teams as well. So I think that close relationship is really important. And I think investing in tools and automation where you can is another one. And I understand that in the industry, it's very creative. Every studio is different. Every engine is different, right? There isn't really that standardization that maybe you see on mobile platforms or PC platforms and so on. Uh, but it is, it is possible, and it's possible um, not not only by a you know big company that has money to spend on those things. I, I did, did do get that feedback as well when I talk about it in public. Hey, we've got these tools, and I'm like, well, we're a small company. What can we do? I think there is. Um, small um, adaptation you can make from off the shelf um, um, systems um, that, that will, will help you be smarter. That's great. I love it. Like using technology to your advantage as much as possible. So yeah, great, great advice. And um, can you walk us to like a day on your work? And like, what are your duties like? And, um, uh, yeah. Okay, um, so so my current role, um, it's obviously localization isn't really part of that responsibility anymore. Um, 
I think in terms of um, as, the, as a senior man manager, my focus is more on um, I would call leadership and people and strategy. Um, so it's looking ahead. You know what what is Sony and studio uh, Sony studio needs for the future. So. Um, the, the growth, uh, you know, for example, we've seen in PC and PC testing. My team uh, needs to support that, so we had to, um, you know, come up with processes and resources and um, equipment needs, and you know, getting budgets approved for all of that. <laughs> you know, so it's the boring sort of management thing, I guess. With you know, drawing on those business uh, skills from university and over time, that that I'm, and I didn't need at the beginning, that I need it now. So it's a lot more. Um, yeah, operational and uh, in those areas and in other areas, it's all about the people really. Um, it's still, you know, um, making sure that staff are growing and developing. Like I said, we always have new challenges. I've been in the industry for a long time and when uh, I interview people and they ask me about it, oh my God, you know, that's it's a long time. It's because it's changing all the time. It's not actually the same year, you know, each year is different and the business You don't have time to get bored. Yeah, you don't do the same thing. <laughs> so even as a senior manager, yes, you might have, you know, those budget seats and and, <laughs> and those goals and annual reviews and you know all those things that a big corporation tends to have. But it it really it does change all the time and it's a different um, challenge each time. So that's what I enjoy about it. Um, but I think the as a as a once you kind of get to manager level in any organization, a lot of it um, is about your people and. Um, that was a big lesson for me as well, actually, that, you know, when I was in localization, it was a lot that I could use my background, right? That was kind of where I came from. I knew what the processes were or the tools were. And as soon as I kind of stepped away from that a little bit more, it was clear that well, actually as a manager, my, my job isn't to be the expert. That's the expert's job. My, my job is to help the people become the experts, to work through them and uh, enable them to give them the tools or the skills that they need to be successful to deliver the services to our studio. So it's a lot is about investing in that and spending time. Yeah, that, that I, I really um, again wasn't at the start of my career able to see that that was going to be a really enjoyable part of the job, uh, but it is. And I, really I love that. Inspiring. That, yeah, <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, I have a question for you regarding like um, your day-to-day -day life at work and outside of work. What are, what is your passion? What are you most passionate about? Well, um... Well, I mentioned I come from a non-gaming background. Yeah, so. that's why I'm asking. <laughs> yes, so I have to admit, um, I'm, I'm probably would still class myself more of like as a social gamer. Um, I, that's not my go-to uh, form of entertainment. You know, when I go home, I need to chill. Um, I know the products and you know the industry and and stay informed and that I do really like recognize I need that um, but then I'm not the expert I'm not creating the games I don't need to you know know that this game mechanic is more successful than this one or you know uh, so I feel that um, I'm, I've grown more okay with that and I think the industry has become more inclusive with that absolutely when, yeah. when I started you know it was very yeah. much about about you needed to be a gamer to succeed and for many years, you know, that was something that I was a bit more quiet about that. Okay, maybe that's not where my, my heart is. So I think my 
my sort of, uh, I guess, interest outside of the office, it tends to be uh, coming from the background that I'm in. So I, I'm originally from Germany and I moved to the UK. Oh, I studied first here and uh, that was all about languages and different cultures. So I still love languages and different cultures that traveling and all of that, you know, reading books about different cultures or, you know, from different uh, authors and so on. So I still enjoy that, that and uh, that everything that comes with that uh, his, history. Uh, and I'm still, even though I'm now a, a UK citizen, I'm still, you know, exploring the UK and love reading about the history in the UK. Um, and the other part that brought me to the UK at the time, the reason why I chose to came in the first place, other than the language, was the music. So oh my I, God, I love uh, that. Yes, I came here sort of a prime Britpop era. era right? Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so I still enjoy going to see live music, uh, going to gig tonight. And yeah, so I just, wherever I can, I go and see music. Oh, oh my God, I love it. You know, I, I asked this question because I've met with a lot of translators that are interested in working in localization and video game localization, but they are not gamers and they are like super worried about it. And mm. no, it's like, you don't need to be a gamer to work in this industry. You can totally adapt. It's just a matter of uh, having the technical part in it and then the passion of like creative uh, translations and everything, mm -hmm. then that's mm. just it. That's why I ask. Mm -hmm. I know that you, you you don't relate to gaming, but I mean, I love music too. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I would encourage that as well. I've, I've done a lot more mentoring in the last few years for especially women that are new to the industry. And I would also I feel more comfortable challenging sort of attitudes like that. So sometimes you, I'm sure you still come across um, developers or um, programmers or producers that demand a certain you know, 20 year background in games and um, all of those things. And I know what just challenge that because you don't, you don't need it in other industries. Um, and it just seems to be very sort of, um, it creates a barrier to entry, uh, you know, to the industry as well. And again, we're trying to see, be much more inclusive and diverse in our industry to represent our, right. our, our customer base. And, and I know that younger customer base grow up, grew up in games like you did, and uh, that's changing now. But uh, there definitely is an element here that's, you know what, you don't, that you just include people by doing that. You know, where, welcome in other viewpoints, other, I love um, that. other experience. And I think actually a lot of women, you know, are gamers. For example, maybe the translators that you speak to are gamers on mobile. You know, they might, yeah. you know. They can be they don't even realize it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All of this is, uh, all this is resonating so much uh, with me too because I like I play some games. I'm not like such a like hardcore gamer, so I always feel a bit of an outsider. But like, um, yeah, it's, it's a great message to spread. I think because you can be part of the industry even if you you know you didn't grow up playing a lot of games and you're an expert about it. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, now I have another question, and it's um, about we know we we've heard all these like really impressive titles that you've worked on, and we're a bit curious if you have any anecdotes or like memory, something that happened during this project, something that oh, that's a good you question. always remember. Uh, yes. Oh wow! Um, I I do have just good memories about when I was a tester and on and, and, and projects. Um, 
I do enjoy um, getting a first glimpse into games, you know, when they're kind of not announced yet and, and so on. Um, <laughs> I imagine, yeah. Good, yeah, I'm trying to think a good an anecdote. I I, I do en did enjoy, for example, when Sony was uh, working on the iToy games. Do you remember the iToy games? Yes. Where it was, it was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. really an industry first with the camera, the iToy camera. Yeah. And, uh, motion very uh, groundbreaking for the time yeah 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 so i remember uh it was really fun watching our test floor uh which was very male-centric still at the time uh, uh testing the um there was a, a game called ipad where it's a virtual pet so the, all oh my these, god yeah you know <laughs> very for, for testing and or jumping around on the floor testing the games uh i think there was a game with pom-poms where you had a budget that was just fun uh, i think but sony sometimes uh it just doesn't seem to do those fun games at the moment right where you have yeah. more social elements yeah. and more fun elements. so i did enjoy watching the test floor test the itoy games and uh, the pet game and the more the cute games that maybe it was a good uh juxtapositioning with the uh, mix of testers that we had at the time. Yeah, and I imagine that just picking one anecdote <clears throat> in so many years, it it must have been, it mu it must be hard. I mean, but that's a lovely my, memory. My really boring. They're mostly about operational challenges and how we overcame them. So I don't <laughs> think that's of interest really to yeah the public somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're coming to a close. Can you share some advice for anyone that's interested in working in the industry, whether it's in localization, in testing, in the video game side, in the localization side? I leave it up to you. But can you give it a close with a piece of advice? Um, I I, hopefully I've got several pieces. <laughs> so Please? Uh, this is something again in my mentoring. I you know I focus on a lot, and we do also do a lot of sessions with young people uh, who are maybe underrepresented in the industry, or maybe struggling to uh, at school, or you know um, uh, getting a job. And, and you know we're, we're trying to really encourage to think differently about their career. Um, so some of the things uh, I, I focus on. Um, uh, it's like the soft skills, you know, that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. It's really about yeah. um, articulating uh, yourself and working well with others. But it's also, I think, um, knowing yourself and what you're good at. And I think when I look back at my career, that's definitely something that um, was a happy coincidence ending up in QA because it suited my personality, my, you know, how I like to work. Um, and I think that's, that's something that I, I encourage young people you know, any backgrounds, in any careers, any industries, like, you know, figure out what you're good at um, and focus on that and how you articulate that in interviews or in resumes and so on. And uh, actually don't be shy in telling people, this is how I like to work. This is how you get the best from me in in this, you know, circumstance. Um, and to try different things. Most people when they're young don't know what they want to do don't have this career or even those people maybe you're really uh focused or oh, i want to be um i don't know level designer and uh, you know in five years time i think be open to opportunities there's like you said there's many people who have very different paths into the industry in their career and sometimes um 
yeah, be open to that, try different things, and uh, don't maybe um, decide too soon, you know, because you actually uh, very often figure out what you want and what you enjoy much later on. Um, I think for, for women especially, one thing I, I did learn and, and I do pass on as well uh, in my mentor sessions is to um, to be mindful of the um, when the opportunities arrive that you don't need to tick all the boxes, right? I did that early in my career. I would only apply to roles where well, I can do that. I'm ready. You know, I, I've done, I've got experience in this. I've done that. I'm ready. I can, I, you know, I will apply and feel confident. Um, and it's only later that with more experience and more confidence and encouragement that I realized, well, actually, um, I have transferable skills. I might not be able to do this, but I have ways to develop skills I have and be able to achieve it in a different way or in the future with, with a different support or experience. So it's a um, confidence level sometimes as well to know, just go for it and think about what transferable skills you already have that will help you to get there um, for the next role. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love Just it. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> yeah. It's very much a learned experience. It's something I hope somebody had mentioned maybe earlier in my career. So definitely anybody listening or watching, hopefully that helps. So inspiring. Very inspiring. I, I imagine. Oh my God. Did imagine you really does, I know that it did for, for us three. That's for sure. What? I think. We lose you for uh, a minute. Yeah, can you say uh, that again, Ale? Because you, yeah, you're I, I disappeared for a second, right? Well, it, yeah. this isn't live, but it's been live recorded. Um, no, that I said that I'm sure that it did help our audience and then that it surely helped us. Uh, yes. I can't think of a better way to, to wrap this up than with your words, Nadine. So I want to thank you for being here. I know that we've been trying to schedule this for quite a while, so I'm very happy that, that we finally did it. Thank you, Meli, Lali, for being here with me today, and for you on the other side of the screen, on your phone or in your computer, for sticking around, and we'll be seeing you next time. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, and see you next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Bye.